Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Antigua and Barbuda Citizenship by Investment Unit, awaiting official statement from Nigerian authorities on alleged fugitive couple. Fuel shortage in hospitals likely to cost lives in Haiti. Trinidad and Tobago government to spend $2 billion U.S. dollars on climate change action. And OECS raises $4.9 million EC in-kind cash and support for St. Vincent and the Grenadines. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Tuesday, October 26. We start our report today in Antigua. The Observer reports that the media reports out of Nigeria, more specifically, an article in People's Gazette dated October 19, 2021, have referenced the involvement of Bemis and Elizabeth Ajutumobi in alleged fraud activity through their company, Image Global Solutions Limited. The Citizen by Investment Unit confirms that both Bamsi Ajitomobi and his wife Elizabeth were granted citizenship in April 2021, having applied under the Citizenship by Investment Program. As it is customary, the application was subjected to intense internal examination by the unit's team of certified compliance specialists. A leading global due diligence firm conducted open source and income investigations on the couple as well as their company Image Global Solutions Limited. At the conclusion of the investigations, nothing disparaging was identified with respect to the applications nor their affiliate business interests. Their company was also duly registered and active. Additionally, reports from international law enforcement agencies did not reveal any indication of involvement in fraudulent or illegal activity. No Interpool red notice had been issued for the couple either. As such, at the issuance of citizenship, there was no adverse media, criminal, or civil litigation, neither were there regulatory concerns associated with the application and their businesses. Subsequent to the publication of the article by People's Gazette, the unit has undertaken a review of media reports and is awaiting the issuance of an official statement by the authorities in Nigeria. The difficulty in delivering fuel in Haiti is likely to cause lives. United Nations humanitarians have warned. Roadblocks are preventing delivery of fuel, creating obstacles to the provision of essential medical services, and also preventing access by humanitarian workers, said Stephen Dejarek, spokesman for United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres on Monday. Our humanitarian colleagues are telling us that lives are likely to be lost if fuel suppliers do not reach hospitals immediately. Fuel shortages are hitting hospitals and medical centers especially hard. In Port-au-Prince, as well as other cities, hospitals 
are reporting extremely low fuel reserves needed to power the generators that keep services going. In two of the capital's major hospitals, pediatric services for 300 children, maternal health care for 45 women, and critical care for 70 other patients will be interrupted if supplies are not received by Tuesday, said the spokesman. We are calling on all those who have had influence over the current situation to ensure that fuel supplies can be delivered to hospitals and that humanitarian access to earthquake-impacted victims in the Southwest is not further disrupted, he said. Trinidad and Tobago Newsday reports that the government in Trinidad and Tobago plans to spend over $2 billion U.S. dollars in the coming years as a part of its commitment to reduce greenhouse gases and climate change action. At the United Nations Pre-Conference Party's seminar on transition to the green economy on Monday, Minister of Energy and Energy Affairs Stuart Young said the initiatives were a part of an overall plan of reduced emissions from three sectors by 15 percent or 103 million tons of carbon dioxide by 2030. The estimated cost of meeting this objective is $2 billion U.S. dollars, which is expected to be met partly through domestic funding and conditional and international financing, including through the Green Climate Fund. Trinidad and Tobago also committed to unconditionally reduce its public transportation emissions by 30 percent or 1.7 million tons of carbon dioxide, compared to 2013 levels by December 31, 2030. Young also said that part of TNT's intended national determined contribution, alternative energy sources projects, the transition to CNG, were underway and alternative transportation fuels were being looked at. He added that the ministry was working with its stakeholders, including the University of the West Indies and the University of Trinidad and Tobago, for other resourceful means towards a green economy. In the power generation sector, we have approved the establishment of a solar utility project, which will generate 112.2 megawatts of electricity, for which we are hoping that construction will commence in 2022. This approximates to about 10 percent of current power requirements, and the intent is to increase the quantum of power generation from renewables, with wind energy being a likely resource. The United Nations Climate Change Conference, COP26, takes place in Glasgow, Scotland, United Kingdom, between October 31st and November 12th, and brings together to accelerate towards the goals of the Paris Agreement and the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. The Organization of Eastern Caribbean States Commission stated that it's honored to fulfill its commitment to providing relief and recovery resources to St. Vincent and the Grenadines following the devastation and displacement caused by the eruptions of the Lesafree volcano in April of 2021. 
In the immediate aftermath of the disaster, the Commission launched a resource mobilization strategy which leveraged its partnership network of diplomatic missions, development partners, and private and public sector partners to channel assistance for St. Vincent and the Grenadines. This comprehensive strategy resulted in the mobilization of relief items, development funding, and cash valued at approximately $4.9 million Eastern Caribbean dollars, or EC, which largely include in-kind relief items donated via the Commission or directly to St. Vincent and the Grenadines as a result of the Commission's efforts. At a virtual handover ceremony held on Friday, October 22nd, the OECS Commission and the Global Coalition in support of St. Vincent and the Grenadines in association with the Oxygen with Nicole Foundation presented a check of 355536 EC dollars in cash raise via the Strong Together We Are the Global Family campaign to the government and the people of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. The volcano Ravage Island Nation also benefited from an additional 3.1 million EC in cash and in kind donations raised by the Commission and will further benefit from 1.4 million EC in project funding that will be excluded by the Commission's Environmental Sustainable Division. OECS Director General Dr. Didicus Jules noted donations have come from private citizens and from business sector, from organizations within the region and beyond. On October 8, the United States diplomatic mission to the Bahamas celebrated the completion of the physical structure of the new U.S. Embassy building being constructed in the heart of downtown Nassau. The United States is here for the Bahamas, and that is really what this building is all about, says U.S. Charge the Affairs and host of the event, Ms. Usha E. Pitts. During her remarks, Charge Pitts commented, on the enduring strength of the U.S.-Bahama relationship sustained by shared values and common interests and noted that the Bahamas is known in my government as a young but vibrant nation, as a member of the Sisterhood of Democracies. The embassy was graced by the presence of the Governor General of the Commonwealth of the Bahamas, His Excellency the Most Honorable Cornelius A. Smith, as well as Prime Minister the Honorable Philip E. Davis, in addition to other high-ranking U.S. and Bahamian government officials, cabinet ministers, and close partners at a socially distant outdoor event. The Honorable Prime Minister Philip Davis reminded those that the United States and the Bahamas in so many ways are guests in each other's homes, friends and neighbors in other communities, partners in trade and allies on the international stage. As noted that the new embassy symbolizes an understanding that the closeness between our nations is well worth continuing investment. Prime Minister Davis thanked the U.S for their ongoing support during the COVID-19 pandemic, among other acts of goodwill, including the donation of over 128,000 Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine doses. During the ceremony, the embassy also raised 
onto the roof a tamarind tree, which will be planted on the embassy grounds after construction is complete. In celebration of the Bahamian spirit and the shared roots and values that strengthen the relationship between the United States and the Bahamas. The project is expected to be completed by the summer of 2023. Antigua Newsroom reports that the University of the West Indies Five Island Campus will collaborate with Harvard Business School through its Harvard Business Online portfolio to offer its Credentials and Readiness core program to citizens of Antigua and Barbuda and the wider OECS region. The collaboration will be offered through the University of the West Indies Five Island Campus newly launched Lifelong Learning Unit, which was created to improve the competitiveness of the workforce within the region. CORE is a combination of three courses, business analytics, economics for managers, and financial accounting. The program is designed to enable working adults to master essential business skills, participate fully in organizational decision-making, and advance their careers. Courses will be delivered through the online interactive platform. The lifelong learning unit as the entity through which the University of the West Indies Five Island Campus will offer a suite of professional development courses to enable citizens of Antigua and Barbuda and the wider region opportunities to improve workforce credentials and become more globally competitive in the labor market. The unit was established in August 2021 and formally launched on October 25, 2021 by the Honorable Daryl Matthew, Minister of Education of Antigua and Barbuda. And finally, the St. Kiss Nevis Observer reports that a plaque has been unveiled commemorating Britain's first black train engineer. Jamaican-born Wilson Samuel Jackson began maintaining trains shortly after moving to London in 1952 and became a driver 10 years later. He had a long, successful career on the railroad, including driving the famous Flying Scotsman locomotive. At the unveiling at King's Cross Station, Mr. Jackson's daughter said he dedicated his life to the railway. He was never late or missed a day, and he was proud of his work, despite the many challenges he faced, Polly Jackson said. After moving to the UK as a part of the Windrush generation, Mr. Jackson, known as Bill, worked his way up from his initial maintenance role to a position managing train boilers. His attempts at becoming a train driver came at a time when many black people had their applications blocked due to racism. Mr. Jackson's appointment in 1962 sparked a furious reaction from some of his white colleagues who unsuccessfully attempted to prevent white men from working under him. Two years later, he broke both his legs when his train crashed into the back of his stationary good train near Finburg Park, North London, after a signalman mistakenly gave a green light. 
Following his recovery, Mr. Jackson returned to the railways before later emigrating to Zambia, where he taught people how to drive trains. He died in September 2018 at the age of 91. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Tuesday, October 26. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and follow us on Facebook.